Thank you for listening to the Giving Light Podcast. We are a family church and world outreach center. Our heart is to empower you to walk in true freedom and equip you to impact your world. Please visit our website at givinglight.org to learn more about us and our many resources, including original music by Brave Music, e-courses for leaders, tools for raising powerful kids, and more. If you would like to support Giving Light financially, visit our Give Online page to choose the best giving method for you. Thanks again for joining us and enjoy this message. Today's sermon is really wrapped up in that one of the lines of that song, have you come to the end of yourself? Do you thirst for a drink from the well? Jesus is calling. And so today, today's message is, I'm titling it, I'll be happy when. I'll be happy when. I could have titled it, I'll be satisfied when. I'll be fulfilled when. I'll be completed when. I'll have peace when. I'll know I made it when. Now, these couldn't be titles, but they're a little bit more specific. I'll be happy when my kids act with some common sense. I'll be happy when they do. They're great kids. Or I'll be happy when my spouse changes. Aren't you glad you came to church today? <laughs> I'll be happy when I'm on the beach with my toes in the sand. I got all these from Marin. She's, she's, uh, I'll be satisfied when my special someone comes around. For all you single people out there. Or I'll be happy when my promotion comes. Or I'll be satisfied when my promotion comes. Or I'll be satisfied when people recognize me and validate who I am. I'll know I made it when my business makes its first million. I'll know I made it when my house is paid off. I'll have peace when the government is run the way I see fit. I'll have peace when my neighbor puts their dog on a leash. I'll have peace when gas is under $2. I'll have peace when my team wins the championship. And if you're a Lions fan, I'm sorry to say, until Jesus comes back. All right, now my notes aren't working. All right. So that list could go on and on because each of us are unique, right? Each of us have that, a specific thing for that blank. And none of these things are inherently wrong. And actually some of those blanks have some value. But the point I'm trying to make is that we put so much power in the blank. I'll be happy. I'll have, my soul will be satisfied when this. 
Can you see how we put so much power in that? And the truth is that blank may never be filled. It may never be filled. So it's not wrong to have positive expectations for something. It's when we place so much stock in these things that are temporal and many ways are so far out of our control that we have no power to even fill it. But what happens is when that blank gets filled, but it doesn't satisfy, that hurts a little bit more. It's kind of like your spouse finally changes and then you realize that you were the problem. Aren't you glad you came to church today? Or gas comes down, but then you find something else to be bent out of shape with. Did you know the Trans-Siberian Pipeline, this and that? And or you get that promotion, promotion with a title, and then you realize, I have so much more responsibility. And then I got to lead people that don't want to be led at all. And then you're like, actually, I have a friend that, that got a promotion. They became a manager. And after a few years, they're like, I'll take less pay. It's fine. I'll just go back. So dissatisfaction is not a new thing. Longing for fulfillment is not a new thing. Desiring for peace and security is not a new thing. But what if there was a remedy? What if someone cracked the code? What if there was an answer to this age-old question? And actually, if you look at your Bible, a lot of the, this issue is dealt with either directly or indirectly about Jesus and God satisfying our every need. So why do we find ourselves in this predicament? Because the human propensity is to attain satisfaction on their own strength. So why do we find ourselves in this place? Because we have a propensity to try to satisfy that blank with our own strength. 1 Samuel 8, 6 through 7. So this is Israel complaining to the prophet Samuel. But when they said, give us a king to lead us, who's been kind of leading them? Samuel. But really it was God. This, dis this displeased Samuel. So he prayed to the Lord and the Lord told him, listen to all that the people are saying to you. It is not you they have rejected, but they have rejected me as their king. In verse 19 through 20, it goes on to say, but the people refused to listen to Samuel. No, they said, we want a king over us. So how it was, was God would speak to Samuel. Samuel would speak to the people and God would lead them, right? But they said, no, we don't want that any longer. And why is that? No, they said, we want a king over us. Then we will be like other nations, 
Are you guys seeing this? God, I don't want you to leave me. I want to do it my own way. Or I want to do it the way that seems right to the ways of the world. Then we will be like other nations with a king to lead us and go out before us and fight our battles. Like I said, this is not a new thing. In Jeremiah 2.13, now Jeremiah is a prophet. Like if you look at the book of Jeremiah, he's a prophet that pleads with the people of uh, Judah uh, to repent and to, and to turn back to God. And it's very frustrating because they don't. And it wasn't like, hey guys, pep rally. No, he did this for over 40 years. 40 years. So this is the backstory. Jeremiah 2, 13. My people have committed two sins. So this is Jeremiah or God speaking through Jeremiah to the people of Israel, uh, to uh, Judea. My people have committed two sins. They have forsaken me. Kind of sounds like Israel. Now, we don't want you as our king. We want, put someone in to do that. My people have committed two sins. They have forsaken me, the spring of living water, and have dug their own cisterns or their own wells, broken cisterns that cannot hold water. So what are they saying? No thank you to the well that does not run dry. No thank you. We will dig our own wells to satisfy our own need. But here's the problem. They can't hold water. So obviously they're not talking about natural wells. So maybe they dug the well of relationship. Maybe this will satisfy me. It kind of puts new meaning on, I really dig you. <laughs> bwomp, bwomp, bwomp. That is a dad joke. I am getting... Pretty masterful at that. So maybe they dug the well of relationship. Maybe this person will meet my need. Maybe it was the well of entertainment. Maybe this will truly satisfy. Maybe it was the well of success or the well of applause or the well of even knowledge to gain knowledge. And what does Jeremiah say? He says, my people have committed two sins. They've forsaken me, the spring of living water, and have dug their own cisterns, broken cisterns that cannot hold water. Here's the problem. After all that they dug, they were still thirsty. And it wasn't like these wells didn't provi provide any satisfaction or any relief but they're just temporal and so that statement I'll be happy when is that digging that well and hope it will satisfy it will make me happy it will make me fulfilled I'll be completed when Mr. Wonderful comes And if you've ever been married, you know Mr. Wonderful does not stay Mr. Wonderful. <laughs> not that they're bad, it's just. 
No one knows what I'm talking about. No. I'm just talking to myself up here, apparently. This verse sums up so many of the problems that we put ourselves in. We pursue other avenues of receiving life that cannot satisfy. Maybe this will be the thing that brings fulfillment. Maybe this will be the thing that satisfies. Maybe this will bring peace. Nope, it's broken and it cannot hold water. And eventually it will run dry. Now, I'm not someone who believes that if something is earthly, it's inherently evil. Okay? It's just temporal and insufficient to truly satisfy. So I'm not a Puritan that says anything that is natural and earthly is evil. I'm just saying it's temporal and it cannot truly satisfy. Not the satisfaction that only comes from him. So when we pursue these things and hope that they will satisfy or fill a need that only God can fill, that's where it gets off. That's where we get into error or even fall into possible sin because these wells will eventually run dry. Like that lyric said, have you come to the end of yourself? Have you dug all the wells that you could possibly dig have you come to the end of yourself? Are you thirsty from a drink from the well? Jesus is calling. So is success wrong? Knowledge wrong? Relationships wrong? Human validation wrong? No. But they cannot be the source of my life or the thing I run to to fulfill the need that only God can, that God can fulfill. Psalms 107.9, for he satisfies the parched throat. Have you ever been thirsty? Have you ever been thirsty? <laughs> That's a parched throat, right? The, the white things around your mouth start forming, right? For he satisfies the parched throat. And he fills the hungry appetite with what is good. Psalm 1611, this is one of my favorite psalms. I don't know if you're allowed to have favorite psalms, but I do. So Psalm 1611, you will show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. In your right hand, another version says, because you have taken me by your hand. In your right hand, there is pleasure forevermore. Now, these are, like I said, Scripture deals with this topic a whole bunch, directly or indirectly. So these are just a few examples. Psalms 145, 16. Open your hand. You satisfy the desire of every living thing. Who does that apply to? You. Everything. So who God is and what he offers has the power to satisfy the desire of every living thing, which makes sense because we are his creation and he knows exactly what we need on an individual level. And I'm not even, all of us are different. We're created differently. So when he says he can satisfy your need, he's saying I can satisfy it on the individual level of what you need because guess what? I created you. This isn't a somber sermon. This is good news. 
Because when we seek after things that cannot satisfy, this message is saying, hey, there is a remedy. There is an answer. Someone did crack the code. Someone came to offer this for us. And I would say that's good news. Now, it would be easier if we were not created to be need-based beings, but needs have a divine purpose in our life. By design, needs are meant to draw us into his presence. By design, needs are meant to draw us into purpose. By design, our needs draw us into intimacy with God. That's why we were created to have needs, but they were always meant to be fulfilled in and through him. Now, this is in Acts 17. Paul was hanging out in Athens, okay? And he's waiting for Silas and Timothy. This is Acts 17, 16. While Paul was waiting for them in Athens, who was he waiting for? He was waiting for Silas and Timothy. He was deeply troubled by all the idols he saw everywhere in the city. What is an idol? It's a cistern that cannot hold any water. It's a well that eventually will run dry, right? So you got to remember that this culture is heavily steeped in idol worship. That's kind of like saying Texas likes football. <laughs> football is steeped in the culture of Texas, right? It's kind of like if you live by the beach, you have this mentality of salt life, right? It's steeped into the culture. When we went down to Tennessee, whiskey or moonshine is a part of the culture. They, well, I'm just saying it was a part of the culture. They had big stores the size of Walmart just for moonshine. It was part of the culture. So when Paul is looking and he's seeing all this idol worship, what does that say? Their kids were raised to worship idols. Idols was just a part of their culture, right? And so I want to define idol simply because a lot of times we think of idol just as a figurine or just as a sculpture. But an idol is when you count on something or someone to do only what the father can do. An idol is when you count on something. Guess what? We have a need to have a connection with a divine being. What were these people doing? They created idols to meet their own need. So when you count on something or someone to only do what the Father can do, or when you try to fulfill a desire that only he can fulfill, when you pursue peace outside of his presence... That's kind of where entertainment falls. It's like, man, I had a rough week. I just need to turn it off and just veg on entertainment. But guess what? We have access to the peace, the prince of peace. Now, I'm not saying it's wrong to watch something. I'm just saying we can fall into these things because we're trying to meet a need on our own strength. God is looking for a people that is wholeheartedly reliant on him as the source of their life. That's why he says, no other gods before me. So 
Paul notices, hey, this is a culture where idols are an important thing. So he starts preaching. Guess what? People didn't necessarily appreciate that. It's kind of like going down to Texas and saying, you know, football's not that great, guys. Can't we enjoy soccer around here? Um, You'll be burned at the stake. <laughs> right? So they're not too happy about this. So Paul starts preaching. And then the people of Athens brought him before a high council to share. And I like how uh, scripture defines it. They want him to share his strange ideas. Right? Because this is strange to them. Because this is part of their culture. This is how they grew up. This is just natural for them. And there's this guy saying, no. You're trying to fill yourself with these things that cannot fulfill. There is a source of life. And they're like, what is this strange idea that you talk about? And actually, after Paul uh, talks to the council, it actually says some people laughed with contentment. They laughed with disdain. They're like, who is this idiot? <laughs> they were irritated with it. So I want to give you a little portion of what he shared with the council in Acts 17, 24. He is the God who made the world and everything in it. Since he is the Lord of heaven and earth, he doesn't live in man-made temples. What is he confronting here? The culture of idol worship. He's saying the thing that you're actually worship, my God is the one that created all this. He created the stone that you carved an idol out of. Verse 25, I love this. And human hands cannot serve his needs for he has no needs. What were they doing in this idol worship? They were offering things to their idols. And Paul's saying, the God that I serve, he can't be served by human hands because he has no needs. Are you guys following me? He himself gives life and breath to everything. He satisfies, his, he satisfies every need. That's the God I serve, the original, the maker of all that you see and do not see. Now, if you think you can serve him to meet his needs, well, guess what? He doesn't have them because he is the source of life. He is the one who's satisfied. He is the one who brings fulfillment to every one of our needs. That's why I think it's so funny when people say, I'm doing it for God. What do you mean you're doing it for God? He has no needs. He's leading, you, he's leading you to do something because it's good for you. He goes on to say that you don't have to go far to find him, that he is near. So we could seek after, this is out of the message. So we could seek after God and not just grope around in the dark, but actually find him. What is he saying? Listen, the God of heaven and earth, the one who created all this, he is not far. He is not remote. He is right there available to us. It goes on to say, he doesn't play hide and seek with us. He's not remote. He is near. He has made himself available to those that seek him. Matthew 7, 7 through 8. 
Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and he who seeks finds and to him who knocks it will be opened. Who is this referring to? It's referring to your father in heaven who gives good things to those who ask him. I never understood the theology that portrays God as stingy or withholding what he offers. I don't get it. Because he's actually saying, the life that you need is in me. I am the source of your life. So it's like God saying, yeah, I know I'm the source of your life, but you have to work real hard to get it. You have to grope around in the dark to find it. But Jesus said, I have come, you know, I got to put John 10, 10 in there. Jesus has come to give life and life overflowing, life more abundantly. James 1, 5, if any of you lack wisdom, now that word wisdom is a lot broader than just we think of like, oh, that's a great idea. It's broader than that. Uh, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all liberally and without reproach. Meaning if you ask God, he's not going to shame you for doing it. And it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith without doubting for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. So he's saying come in with confidence knowing that every good and perfect gift comes from him. You can also see that in James as well. Uh, Psalms 84.11. I'm going quick because I want to get to something. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will he withhold from those who walk uprightly. No good thing will he withhold of those who are who walk uprightly. And a lot of times we read that and say, who are those that walk uprightly? In our, in our limited thinking, we say, it's those who walk perfectly. No, well, that would be no one, <laughs> right? So who are those who walk uprightly? For the Lord God is a sun and shield. So those that rely on God as their sun and shield are those who will walk uprightly. And think about that. What is the sun? What does the sun do? It gives light, but it gives life. Life. For the Lord is life and a shield. What is a shield? A protection. So those who rely on God as their life and their protection those who will be the ones who walk uprightly. And those who walk uprightly, what does it say? No good thing will he withhold. So that thinking, well, God just withholds everything and you got to work real hard and you got to be so perfect. No. He gives it to those who rely on him. So let's look at John 4. 1 through 27,862. All right. Actually, I think it, we're going to read from John 1 to, uh, John 4, 1 to 42, actually. I know. Can you believe it? Okay, this is verse 1. 
Therefore, when the Lord knew, so it's talking about Jesus. Therefore, when the Lord knew that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made, uh, that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John. So what is this saying? The, the Pharisees were getting a little nervous, right? They didn't like it. It's kind of like in today's world, we say, oh, they're trending, so Jesus was trending, and guess what? He was getting a lot of followers, right? And so it said, made and baptized more disciples than John. I love this. Though Jesus himself did not baptize, but his disciples. That's important, and we're going to get back to that. But he left Judea and departed again to Galilee, but he needed to go through Samaria. Oh, no. Not Samaria. If you know anything about Samaria, Samaria, Jews and Samarians did not mix. They did not get along. In verse 5 and 6, so he came to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar. And if you're wondering if I pronounce that correctly, I listened to a guy with an English accent say it. So I'm pretty confident that it was right. Near the plot of the ground that Jacob gave his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied from his journey, sat thus by the well. It was about the six hour. Six hour just means it was around new time. So one thing I want to point out is that Jacob died around 1644 BC, a rough estimate. And so that this, just a rough estimate, this well has been around for 1700 years. That's a long time. A lot of water. Why would someone that lived in a desert environment need a well? For life. For their own life, for their children's life, for their cattle's life, for their crop's life. Okay. So this well has been supplying life for 1,700 years. Okay. Verse 7 and verse 8. A woman of Samaria came to draw water. What did she come to get? Water, life. Jesus said to her, give me a drink. For his disciples have gone away into the city to buy food. In verse 9, then the woman of Samaria said to him, how is that you being a Jew? Now, I don't know how she's saying it, but they have an attitude with each other, Samaritans and Jews. So maybe it was with an attitude. So how is it that you being a Jew ask a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? For Jews had no dealings with Samaritans. Like I said, they had bad blood. And one of the reasons they had bad blood was because the Samaritan says, we should be worshiping on top of this mountain. And the Jews said, we should be worshiping in Jerusalem. That's the main thing, okay? That's why they had issues with each other, okay? 
And, but I want you to, how many of you guys remember the parable of the Good Samaritan? The Good Samaritan. Who was he saying this to? Jews. <laughs> Can you see why this was very confrontational? Because he's saying, which one did right? The Good Samaritan. So Jesus never had problems confronting cultural norms. For one, and we'll see later, he was talking to a woman. And back then, apparently that didn't happen too much. In verse 10, Jesus answered and said to her, now this, so he said, will you give me a drink? And, and she's like, why are you talking to me? You're a Jew, I'm a Samaritan. We shouldn't be having this conversation. And then Jesus said, if you knew the gift of God, what is he saying? If you knew what I was offering you and who it is who says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Why was she going to that well? For water to sustain life. And Jesus said, if you were aware of what I was offering you, if you would have been aware of who was asking you, you would have asked for water that actually brought life. And I think this is where many Christians miss the mark. They are still unaware of the gift that has been given to them. Do you know that Jesus said that that we would receive the Holy Spirit and it would be a spring of living water within inside of us? Remember the past couple of times I've been preaching, I would say, so do you know that the Holy Spirit lives inside of you? Yeah. And? Jesus is saying to this woman, if you would have known what I'm offering you, you would have. And like I said, a lot of times we as Christians, we're looking to fill that blank. We're looking to say, this will satisfy me. This will bring fulfillment. And Jesus said, if you knew what was given to you, you would have. Come on. In verse 11 through 12, the woman said to him, sir, you have nothing to draw water or you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. This proves the point. She is still unaware of what he's talking about. Because Jesus is talking about something totally different, right? He's talking about living water. And she brings up, hey, you don't have anything to draw with, and the well's deep. Uh, where, do you, where do you get that living water? After, um, are, and then she goes on to say, listen to this. This is what she's saying to Jesus. This is why I think there's attitude there. Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us this well and drank from it himself, as well as his sons and his livestock? Are you saying what you're offering me? You got to realize that for 1,700 years, people have come to this well to receive life-giving water. And the woman says, are you saying that you're greater than this well that has been providing life to this people for 1,700 years? 
obviously she's not liking where the conversation is going. <laughs> In verse 13 through 14, Jesus answered and said to her, whoever drinks of this water will thirst again. Ding, 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 ding. Like I imagined that this well was up on a hill. It, I don't know if it was. You don't know if it was. So we're just going to say it was up on a hill. <laughs> but, oh, it was on the chosen. Well, that's gospel. Okay. Um, okay. So I imagine this woman every day having to lug a bucket up to go get water every day. And so what does he say? Whoever drinks of this water will thirst again. Whoever drinks of this water is going to have to haul their pail up again and again and again by their own strength. They're going to have to keep on hauling up this hill to get this water. And whoever drinks of this water, um, but whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. No more walking up the hill to get this. But the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into eternal life, everlasting life. So we know that later Jesus is teaching that eventually you're going to receive the Holy Spirit and that well that is within inside of you is the Holy Spirit, the well that does not run dry. Okay? In verse 15, the woman said to him, Sir, give me this water that I may not thirst nor come here to draw. Seems like she don't want to walk up that hill one more time. <laughs> Now, obviously, she's not on the same page because he's talking about a spiritual water. So she's not, she's not getting it, right? She's still in the practical realm. In verse 16, Jesus said to her, oh boy, go call your husband and come here. Jesus just went gangster on her, if you didn't know <laughs> You got to remember, she's not getting what he's trying to say, right? So Jesus goes straight to the point. Go get your husband and bring him back. Verse 17, the woman answered and said, I have no husband. Ding, 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 ding. And we're going to find out more. Verse 17 through 18, Jesus said to her, you have well said, I have no husband, for you had had five husbands, and the one whom you have now is not your husband. In that you, tr you spoke truly. But my question is, why did she have five husbands? She couldn't fill the blank. Maybe this one will fix what I truly need. Maybe this will be the thing that satisfies. Maybe this will be the thing that brings fulfillment. Maybe this will be the thing that completes me. Do you think she's getting it now? We'll see. Because Jesus cuts through all that noise, right? He cuts through all the noise and said, this is the real issue. Verse 19 through 20, 
The woman said to him, sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. If you don't think that's funny, that's funny. <laughs> sir, I could tell that you're a prophet. You just hit the nail on the head. <laughs> right? So he said, sir, I can perceive that you're a prophet. Our fathers, what was the beef between Samaritans and the Jews? They say we worship here at the mountain, and Jews say we worship down in Jerusalem. So what does she do? Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshiped on this mountain, and the Jews say that Jerusalem is the place where we ought to worship. What is she doing? Changing the subject. <laughs> right? I perceive that you're a prophet because you just read my mail. And you know what? This beef that's been happening for this long, let's go back to that. Let's talk about that. Oh, we never done that with Jesus before. No, no, we never tried to change the subject before. This is real, right? I can see that you're right. But do you know we should be worshiping up here instead of this? Verse 25, the woman said to him, I know that the Messiah is coming who is called Christ. And when he comes, he will tell us all things or he will make this clear. He will resolve this beef. Who's she talking to? Verse 26, Jesus said to her, I who speaks to you am he. Come on. She didn't get it. She didn't get it. He hit the head of the nail and she said, let's bring up this beef to change the subject. And then she goes, well, there's someone that's coming that's going to make this all clear. He says, listen, I'm the one that is coming or that has come and is speaking to you. What is this all about? Jesus is offering an answer to fill in that blank. I'll be happy when this. I'll be fulfilled when this. I'll truly be satisfied when this. And Jesus is saying, if you drink of this water, you won't, you won't be thirsty again. Let's continue on. Verse 27 through 30. At this point, the disciples came, and they marveled that he was talking with a woman. Yet no one said, what do you seek, or why are you talking to her? So I see all the disciples coming up that hill, joking around like this, and they come up and they're like, oh, Jesus is talking to a woman, but no one said anything. <laughs> the woman left her water pot and went her way into the city uh, and said to the men, come see a man who told me all the things I've ever did. Could this be the Christ? You see what Jesus is setting up here? He wasn't just offering living water to the woman. He was offering living water to the town. 
Come see a man who told me all things that I've ever did. Could this be the Christ? Then they went out of the, out of the city and came to him. Verse 31 through 33. In the meantime, his disciples urged him, saying, Rabbi, eat. Why did the disciples go in to town? They told us earlier. They were getting food for him. Why was Jesus waiting at the well? Because he was tired from the journey. And so what are they saying to him? Hey, listen, we went in and got this food. You were hungry when you sent us. Please eat. You need to eat. Right? Sounds like they were like uh, grandmothers or something like that. You need to eat. Please eat. All right. I have, fa- I have found to eat of which you do not know. Therefore, the disciples said to one another, has anyone brought him anything to eat? Okay. Have you ever been confused of where God is leading you? You can raise your hand. Yeah, all of us, right? It's okay. You're in good company. The disciples didn't get it. <laughs> and so... They're like, did anybody give him food? In verse 33 through 38, Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. And do you, do you not say that there are still four months and then comes the harvest? So he's switching to that a harvest is ready, right? Reuben prophesied about it, about it today. Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look at the fields, for they are already white for harvest. And he who reaps, and he who reaps receive wages and gathers fruit for eternal life. But both he who sows and he who reaps may rejoice together. For in this he, the saying is true, one sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap that for which you have not labored. Others have labored and you have entered into their labors. What was Jesus doing while they were in the town? He was sowing seeds. The disciples did not know that he was sowing seeds, right? When they came back, he said, listen, there's been things that have been going on that we're about ready to reap a harvest. Think about this. Jesus found out that the Pharisees knew that they were baptizing more than John. But what did it say? Jesus was not baptizing. It was the disciples. Who was sowing the seeds? Jesus was. Who was reaping the harvest? The disciples were. In verse 39 through 42, and many of the Samaritans of the city believed in him because of the word of the woman who testified. He told me all that I ever, all that I ever did. So when the Samaritans had come to him, they urged him to stay with them and he stayed there two days and many more believed because of his word. Then they said to the woman, I want you guys to get this. Now we believe not because of what you said, for we ourselves have heard him and we know that this is indeed the Christ, the Savior of the world. So it wasn't just because someone told them. They heard it and they experienced it. 
Taste and see that the Lord is good. If you remain unaware, you will not be able to partake. So what's the remedy of it? Ask and keep on asking. Seek and keep on seeking. Knock and keep on knocking, and it will be open to you. John 7, 37 through 39. On the last day, or on the last and greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. So who is he talking to? Thirsty people. <laughs> Whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. By this he meant the spirit whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Up to, up to that time, the spirit had not been given since Jesus had not yet been glorified. So I want you to know this Dramatic contrast. First, you have a thirsty person that is in need, that is lacking, that is deficient, that is wanting, that is wandering. Second, this same person who has been thirsty through the incoming and indwelling of the Holy Spirit is now a channel for streams of living water. That's a big contrast. A huge contrast. Someone that is in need, that is lacking, that is thirsty. Now because of what? The indwelling of the Holy Spirit now becomes a channel of life to those around them. No longer are they just receiving it for themselves. They're actually giving it to the world around them. Actually, I was talking to my dad a little bit about this a few weeks ago. And he talked about how the Holy Spirit was described as a well and also as a fountain that sprung forth. And he talked about how the well was something that we would receive. We go to the well to receive, but that the springing forth is us ex extending that life to those around us. It's springing forth. So you might be thinking, what's my problem? <laughs> you ever think that before? Never. It's always someone else. <laughs> Are you aware of the gift that has been given to you? I want you to think about this. We all seek, I'll be happy when, I'll be satisfied when, I'll be fulfilled when, I'll be completed when. Jesus said, if anyone is thirsty, come drink. And then he said, you will receive the Holy Spirit. And then now, not only will you not be thirsty, but you will be a life, a spring of life to those around you. So the question I have is, are you aware of the gift that you've been given? What did Jesus say to the woman at the well? If you would have realized what I was offering you, you would have. Come on. Are you thirsty for transformation? Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. This is where I feel some Christians are. How is it going to come through? Maybe this will satisfy. Maybe this will be the thing that completes. And all along, 
the gift that has been given to them is to be a spring of living water. So that was the heart of this message was, it wasn't necessarily about I'll be happy when, but it was like, do you realize what you have? The gift that you have in the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Well, how do I get more? Ask and keep on asking. Seek and keep on seeking. Knock and keep on knocking, and it will be open to you. And so when we're trying to get filled with this or satisfied with this, and the gift that we have been given. It doesn't matter what I say or what the pastor says or whatever. You have to have revelation, just like the woman at the well. God brings up something and is like, well, you know that they worship on this mountain and you want to worship. <laughs> Cut through all the noise and saying, you have something that will bring me life. What did it say? It says, the Lord is a sun and shield, that there is no good thing that he will withhold from those who walk uprightly. He is our life. He is our protection. Lord, we just thank you, and we just give you praise and honor and glory. Let's just bow our heads. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Can we just have a quick moment where you just talk to the Father, talk to Holy Spirit? And maybe it's like, wow, I repent for trying to seek after things that cannot fill. They only run dry. And I have the gift of the Holy Spirit living on the inside of me. God, give us eyes to see the gift that we have. God, soften our heart so that you can sow seeds of life that will spring forth. Thank you, Father. Like the song says, have you come to the end of yourself? Do you thirst for a drink from the well? Jesus is calling. And it doesn't matter if you've been saved one day or a hundred days. Well, grandma's the only one close to that, but yeah. We can always have a renewal. We can always be refreshed in his presence. In your presence, there is fullness of joy. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen.